God wants to show us his covenant. God wants to speak to us. So this year, I hope you have good um, desires for this year to grow, things that you're asking God to do in your lives. The covenant would be a good thing to grow, that he would make known to us his covenant. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. The promise of friendship, intimate, secret friendship with Jesus. And he makes known to them his covenant. So this covenant is, uh, the covenant is uh, God's special treasure. The covenant is his secret thing that he only shares with Israel. He doesn't, you know, people come in and out of the land. But he reveals his covenant to his people. So that's the, that's the beautiful but we want us to see without friendship with without friendship with Jesus Christ, uh, you will never get to understand the covenant. So there's 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 a relational condition. The relational condition is friendship with Jesus. So the friendship of the Lord for those who fear him. Lord, provide friendship with the fear of the Lord. He makes known to them his covenant. Lord, we thank you. I trust, Lord, that uh, the fact that we're even in this topic uh, should be a, Lord, a wonderful, gracious sign that you consider us your friends. That you want to make known to us your covenant. What a wonderful sign that is. Because John just very little think about you all day, Lord, I want to know you more. I want to keep in touch with you. Keep in touch with you. Spirit, talk to us. Help us to know you more. Speak to us, Lord. Make yourself known to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us into a greater friendship with you. And that in that friendship, you would reveal to us great covenant you have for us. Great blessing, God, that this is your covenant. So, I pray your Holy Spirit would come now. Open our hearts to speak to God's word. Help us not to remain remain indifferent to the word of God. Help us to apply it to faith and work. Help us to hear. Help us to learn. Help us not to dismiss it the Holy Spirit to come and say and speak to us, fill us, change us, transform us. Amen. What kind of relationship, you know, so we're going to go right into it. I think we just, we've done a lot of it. What kind of relationship does the covenant establish between God and his people? That's been the question that we've been asking. The kind of relationship that God establishes in his covenantal and the kind of relationship that the covenant establishes is, is established at the very beginning with Adam. Because Adam really becomes the prototype. So what we can, you know, 
declaring the end from the beginning. Remember, Isaiah, the Lord declares the end from the beginning. So we can always go to the beginning. So Genesis is such a, I can't emphasize how much the first three chapters of Genesis are so critical to understanding the Bible. Because in the beginning, you're going to have everything in there in seed form. And so we see this in Hosea chapter 6, verse 7. But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. So here we have, there's no mention of covenant when, when God creates Adam. There's no mention of that. But we see in Hosea that God did establish a covenant with Adam. So that's, you know, and we, we've already emphasized that that is necessary. And he is, he said, there, there they dealt faithlessly with me. And here, this word really um, raises, this word faithless, there they dealt faithlessly with me, raises and really reveals the kind of relationship that God has in mind in his covenant with his people, the kind of relationship. And the kind of relationship there is an exclusive love relationship with the Lord. We are called to an exclusive love. And that's where the verse comes, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart. So we take that, we, we, we quote it, but we don't think about the implications of what that might mean. It's, it's your heart fully in love with God. It is the greatest romance that has ever been known. You were made for romance. Right? We use those words carefully because so many people can twist them. But we should not be afraid of the fact that we have been called by God for a great and exclusive, intimate love that can, there is no parallel in the world. There are types, but there is no parallel. And so this is what must, must lay hold of our relationship with God. It's not just about being a good person. It's not just I'm keeping his commandments. It's not just I'm doing the things he's telling me to do. That's not, there is a call to love. There is a call to walk with him in intimacy. And that's the very purpose why he made us. He made us for love. Amen? And, and it's amazing how that ring, that resonates with us, all of us. We, no one ever says, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't get that. Everyone says amen because we, it just resonates. Yes, yes, I was made for love. Faithlessly. It's a word that's going to be used between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. Malachi 3.14. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithful. It's a, it's a word that's only appropriated in the context of marriage. Intimate love between a man and a woman. Though she is your companion and wife by covenant. Amen? And, and, we all, and when, then we have in Isaiah 54, 54, 5, the Lord says very clearly, for your maker is your what? Husband. Yeah, these, are, these are things that God is calling us. Now, he does not reveal this until more and more, right? We walk with him. He begins to show these depths of purposes in our salvation. So the question is then, um, in, in, 
in Ezekiel, we're going to find out that, you know, the people had lost this exclusive love. We find out in the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, the Lord tells the Laodicean church, right? Um, Not the Laodicean church, I believe it's a church in um, Ephesus. You have left your first love. So there's this thing where we can lose sight of our true love for Jesus Christ, and we can replace it with religious forms. And we all do that. We all do that to one degree or another. Right? We, re- we replace this love, this affection for Jesus Christ, and we just substitute it with Bible study, substitute it with all these outward things, and it looks okay on the outside, but in the inside, it's actually empty. In the inside, um, there really is no love. And the churches are filled with people like that. They have the form. They have the outward form. But they're not burning inside for a love for Jesus Christ. And, and we can lose that. We can, you know, life can be overwhelming. We can, we can be, become so focused on our problems. And, and, and it's easy to cast aside this call to this love. And so the Lord has to oftentimes restore us back, right? Praise God. He has to restore us. Amen? If he wasn't restore us, we would be doomed. But how does the Lord begin to restore his people back? And I believe that God wants to restore many of us back to this exclusive love relationship with the Lord. How does he restore us back? There is, right? And so we look at, we're looking at the book of Ezekiel um, to consider this this relationship that we have, you know, this exclusive love relationship, which many oftentimes lose sight of. And they become content walking without it. That's the sad part. We become content not being fully in love with Jesus Christ. We're okay with that. That's scary. We should, we should, be, ten, we should be sensitive to our heart. We should be tender to Jesus Christ, right? But the Lord wants to establish and, and, and restore us I believe, and what, what does the Lord begins to do to, to really restore us back to this love? Look what the Lord does. Look at Ezekiel 16, verses 1 and 3. This is all review from last week. Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. So this is God. This is the Lord has come to Ezekiel. The Lord has come in, in the time of Ezekiel with the purpose of bringing his people back again. His people are now in captivity. His people have been taken into Babylon. And now the Lord comes, and now he begins his program to begin to restore. Because I believe every time that God approaches his people, he approaches his people with an intent to restore us with an intent to recover that which is lost. I believe 100% of the time, God never comes to us with just judgment. He never just comes with us to punish us. He never just comes to us to make us feel bad. He comes to us with an intent to bring us back. And this is how the Lord begins. The Lord reminds Israel that Abraham's roots were in the era of the Chaldeans. In other words, Abraham's roots are in Babylon. Abraham's roots are not here. They are with the pagan nations. 
They come from the land of the Canaanites. The land of the Canaanites is basically represents human depravity at its worst. We read the story with, with Ham and his son Canaan. He was cursed because he did something abominable with his harvest. And God cursed Canaan. And the land of Canaan basically grew out of that curse. And the Lord reminding Israel, hey, your father Abraham comes from the land of the Canaanites. Right? Not Jewish, not this wonderful Jewish heritage. I want to remind you where you came from. This is God's heart, right? This is God pleading with his people to say, I don't, I don't get this. I mean, there's a, there's a scripture in one of the prophets where the Lord says, I, I don't get what is, what is it that I have done. The Lord is pleading. What is it that you don't like about me? Why, 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 why can't you just love me? And the Lord reminding his people, I took you out of the land of Canaan. You, you didn't have this great heritage. You didn't come from this land of prosperity, godliness. You came from a land that was cursed. Amen? The Lord reminding his people that Jerusalem's roots are, are not rooted in righteous Abraham, but in the pagan peoples of the land of Canaan. In other words, Israel comes from a bad tree. Look at Matthew 7, 17. Matthew 7, 17. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. I believe that's the other verse in, in, the, in the plot for uh, Covenant Part 8. There's a, there's, a, there's a file there. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree. Israel comes from a bad tree. Abraham was born out of a bad tree. And bad trees bear for what kind of fruit? Bad fruit. And God is reminding Israel, look, I'm taking you to your beginning because I think you've forgotten. You've forgotten what have I done for you. You've forgotten where you came from. And I'm telling you, I feel the Lord saying, we got to remember where we came from. Otherwise, we become indifferent. We don't really care. We take it all for granted. And the Lord is reminding us last week, he's reminding us again today, where we came from. We came from the land of Canaan. You, you, you don't come from this great tree. You come from a bad tree. I come from a bad tree, a wicked tree. Psalm 106, 21, 22. They forgot God. That's what happens. We forget right, our problems. I got this thing, and we forget God, their Savior, right? It's an emphasis, not just his healer, not his protector, their Savior. It, it's a reference back, hey, I've done great things for you. I've saved you. You were dying, you were dead, and I saved you, who has done great things in Egypt. Right? Wondrous works. Where? In the land of Ham. Ham, Canaan's father. Awesome deeds by the Red. God is reminding you what he did for you. He's reminding me. He's reminding you. Put aside every, everyone in your problems. The greatest thing that God has done, God has already done. 
He took you out of Egypt. We have the same spiritual heritage in human depravity. First Peter 1 Peter 1.18. 1 Peter 1, knowing that you were ransomed, you were ransomed, you were bought out. God bought you from the futile, empty, empty, meaningless, without purpose. Your life was purposeless. Your life was meaningless. You were, you, you were, he ransomed you from those futile ways that you got, not that you invented. You didn't create those. You inherited them from your forefathers. It came from the bad tree. I mean, so here we are. I think in order to fully appreciate this covenant relationship, we have to remember where we came from. Yes, you and I are not where we want to be. But that does not change the fact of what God has already done through Jesus Christ to save you. It doesn't matter what kind of day you will have today. It doesn't matter what kind of day you'll have tomorrow. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter what you do today or tomorrow. That cannot overwhelm, overrule what God has already done for you through Jesus Christ. Amen? Today I want to continue this look at God's method of restoring his people back to an exclusive love relationship. You know, he's not done. God is not done reminding you a few things. He's not done. How does the Lord begin to restore his people back to an exclusive love relationship? The Lord is going to remind the people of the condition of their beginning. So let's, let's look at another one today. So first of all, the Lord reminds his people where they came from. Where did you come from? Where did I come from? The land of what? The land of what? Canaan, spiritual Canaan. Now, I don't have time to unpack all these things. I, time doesn't come now. Four thirty hour we have to finish. Think about it. You, you came from the land of Canaan. That was your proper heritage. But there's another one. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to Ezekiel 16, verse 4. And as for you, on the day you were born, Again, the Lord is talking to Israel. I think I already have another slide where the Lord is the highlighter. Talking to Israel, reminding them, you know, I'm going to, I, I need to get down and dirty with you. Okay. Uh, I will teach Israel a new addition. This is a family secret. And the Lord, because he loves his people. All right. Right? Israel would not know this. Why? Because they were not, they were just a baby. They were just born, right? Baby, do you remember the day that your cord was cut? Nobody remembers. But God was there. He says, um, I'm going to remind you of who 
that on the day you were born, this verse spoke to you. He's going to tell them seven things. I don't know how many, how many of these I can cover. Lord feels it's time for his people to know something about their existence, something about what, how they were born. And this is applied to us. The umbilical cord, what is the umbilical cord? Let's, let's, let's look at um, Lance Corey here tonight, just, you know, just to get on. The umbilical cord. This little thing here, it's a little, everybody has a little button. <laughs> Some of us have a few bigger than others, but... <laughs> Is this, there's this tube-like structure, right? So it's a picture of the crib, maybe the, maybe the screen, a baby being born. There's this tube that connects the baby to the mother. It's a little tube, a little flexible tube. Connects the baby, and when the baby's in the womb, when, when the baby, it receives, right? It receives oxygen, nutrients, and it's also used to, um, to eliminate waste. Things like that, right? Um, when the baby comes out of the womb, right, um, and the mother delivers the baby, the umbilical cord is still attached um, to the baby. The baby comes out, and there's this wire that sits connected to the neck, right? Um, however, um, I found this out that once the placenta and the umbilical cord um, leaves the womb. There's no more blood rushing through the placenta. Don't get that idea. Instead, um, it will be made of, becomes dead tissue. The umbilical cord becomes dead tissue. The placenta um, becomes susceptible to infection. And the baby will also get an infection. And uh, basically, the bo- um, with, without proper attention to the, to the cord, the infant actually dies. Lord is pointing to Lord's means and saying, your cord is tied to me. Isn't that interesting? So now what does that mean? I think it's very simple. I don't think it, it, wasn't, it wasn't so complicated. The Lord is reminding Israel that she was born spiritually and organically attached to a Davidic type pagan lineage. Right? Go back to Ezekiel. 16, I believe it's verse 3. Um, your father was an Amorite. Your mother was a Hittite. These are pagan, immoral, godless nations. Right? Um, Israel's umbilical cord to her Hittite mother, spiritually speaking, was never cut. Right? Remember that once the placenta 
and the umbilical cord leave the womb, the placenta will no longer have blood running through it. And in other words, there's no life flowing into the body. It's connected to the Hittite mom, but there's death coming through. Why? Look at, look at Leviticus 17, 14. For the life of every creature is its blood. If there's no blood flowing, right, there's no life. Its blood is its life. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature. For the life of every creature is its blood. Whoever eats of it shall be cut off. If there's no blood flowing, there's no life. When Israel is born, God is reminding Israel, when you were born, you remain organically linked to your spiritual Hittite roots that produce all kinds of infections in your moral body. Does that make sense? You, you remain attached to this pagan mom, to this death. You became attached. It was never cut off. It was never severed. Israel's problem was not just circumstances. It, it, it's not that they keep, Israel was born into bad circumstances. Where people could be born into bad circumstances, like no food, no place to live. That's a bad circumstance. This is a different problem. This is an organic problem. This is a spiritual problem. You are attached organically. To this mom. So you, you can't just fix it by changing a few things. Israel's problem is an organic and spiritual problem that is actually governed by the laws of God. Look, look what he says in Genesis 1.11. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its Israel versus kind came out as what kind of kind? A Hittite kind. A spiritually Hittite kind. Israel came out as, not as this Jewish lover of God. No, that's outside of the kind. He came out as a Hittite, hater of God. A Hittite whose, whose, whose rebellion and immorality they embrace, right? That, that's according to its kind. There was impossible for, 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 for Israel to come out any other kind. Having an Amorite father and a Hittite mother, it's only going to be that kind that will come out. Amorites, Hittites, Canaanites, that's the only kind it can produce. Therefore, Israel in her beginnings, having been according to its kind, was wholly evil by nature. As her own wicked mother and father. Israel was doomed to a life of pagan futility, having been organically still attached to her mother, never severed, never breaking the link. The link was never broken. The organic link with her, with her, own, with her own spiritual mother, who has its roots in Canaan, was never severed. Does that make sense? Israel... The Lord is reminding Israel, I'm trying to tell you a little bit more about your background. I'm trying to let you know, it, because I know that you've forgotten me, and you find other things that you find, but I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. I'm going to keep it real. 
you are organically linked with godlessness, impurity, immorality, depravity. You are organically linked. It was never tied. Israel's doom. This wickedness, this wickedness was in the nature of things. Israel's born with a natural and powerful inclination towards that which Hittites love. There was no moral resistance. They embraced it. And guess what? Remember, the Lord is trying to restore Israel back to her first love. Oh, he's, he, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? He, he's just bringing out all the family secrets just because he has to. Because, ah, let me just tell you what, no, no, he's trying, to, he's trying to win her back. He says, hey, I know that you've forgotten how much I've done for you. But let me just give you a little bit more detail of what I did for you. Let me, let you, let me remind you what was your circumstance. See, likewise, when we came into this world, you and I were also organically linked. Our cord was also not Hello? Our cord was not cut. You may have had your physical cord cut, but your organic cord, your spiritual cord to Adam was not cut. First Corinthians 15:22, for as in Adam all died. We all died in Adam. We, we came into this world organically linked to the, to the death and sin of Adam. Even before you took one step, even before you spoke a word, even before you thought a, a thought, the moment you were born, our cord was not cut. It was organically linked to Adam. And all that Adam, all his failure, all his lust, all his, all his disease came into us. Our natural bodies became like the placenta that connected us organically, spiritually, to all the sin and death of Adam. Look at Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. It spread. You and I came into this world in the same condition. Doomed to a life of futility. Doomed to a life of hopelessness. Doomed to a life of just curse. None of us, none of us came into a good situation. All of us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, we all in this state of absolute, our destiny was only that of death. And this link with Adam's sin produced in us. It wasn't just passive. This link produced in us all kinds of concupiscence. Remember that word? Evil desires. Look at Romans 7 and 8. Romans 7 and 8. But sin, seizing opportunity to do the command, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. 
all kinds of evil desire, all kinds of things. That this was active. This, this connection with Adam was not passive. It was real. It was he was he was giving us all of these all of his desires, all of these things that came from the fallen nature of Adam, producing in us all kinds of wickedness. For apart from the law, sin dies dead. See that word covetousness. For some that might think that's a big word. It just means very strong desire. A lust, a craving, a self-indulgent indulgent craving that usually displaces proper affection for God. Strong, sinful desires is the evidence of our organic link to Adam. Right? Sin came in and we became slaves of sin. Look at Romans 6.20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. What I'm trying to tell you is that our cord was not cut either. And the Lord is reminding you, maybe you've lost this, this love for Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you feel like your heart is drifting away. Maybe you're feeling like, man, I don't know where my love is. The Lord is reminding you, your cord was not cut. You were linked to death. You had no future. You had no hope. You had nothing. You came into this world, and there was nothing there. Your cord was not cut. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. And you were dead. You were dead by virtue of your what? Not because of your sins, because of Adam's sin. You were dead. So many people think that... Um, we come alive. No, we don't. We, we are born in sin. We are born in death. We came out dead. Even though you might have cried and they may give you milk. Trust me, you were dead. Dead to God. Dead to anything of righteousness. All of it was all of Adam. Every one of us came out the same way. Nobody comes out born again by the Spirit. Nobody. Every baby comes out dead. Right? You were dead. You didn't become dead. The moment you were born, you're dead. Dead that means lifeless, powerless. A lot of people think they come to Christ, they have this, they have this metaphor. Oh, I was drowning in the sea of my sins, and I cried for help, and Jesus threw me a lifeline, and I grabbed it. No. You were in the ocean, just flowing <laughs> like a piece of paper, dead, drowned, no life. Right? So many people think, I grabbed it, he saved me. No, he didn't throw anything. You were dead, you were drowning, you were, you were drowned. There was no life, you had no power to even grab anything. You were a dead corpse, flowing in the rivers of death. That's what we are. You were dead. Not barely alive. Not hanging in there. Not on a ventilator. You were dead. Could that sink in? You were 
dead. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Nothing. They were absolutely in. When, when Peter said, who can be saved? What did Jesus say? With man, it is impossible. Impossible. Do, do you feel the force of that? With man, it is impossible. You know, he's um, he has so much compassion for you. You were dead in trespasses and sin in which, in which you once walked. That word walk there, lived. In which you once walked. You lived in them. You walked in them. This is not something that you you're fighting against. How many of you, um, when you walk, you walk like this? Nobody walks like that. How do you walk? No resistance. <laughs> right? If you find somebody walking with resistance, call 911. <laughs> Right? Everybody walks, everybody walks, and everybody is just chilling. No resistance. They're fighting. They're not fighting the, the air. They're not fighting, right? They're just flowing. You know what they can walk, right? You ever, you ever felt like walking? It's just like it just feels like just you and the air has like become one, you know? <laughs> we were walking. We were walking. We were just beautifully, we were in the rhythm of our iniquities. We were in the rhythm of our depravity. We walked in our depravity. We were one with our depravity. We, we loved it. We, there was no resistance. Nothing. None of us. None of us said, ooh, that's ugly. No, we loved it. It was part of our nature. It's what, it's what we did. It's, we were organically linked to Adam. And it was beautiful according to its kind. There was no interruption in, in that principle. We walked following the course of this world. We were in one with the world. Following the prince of the power of the air. What's behind the world? The powers of darkness. Right? We were in one with not only the course of this world, we were in one with the powers of darkness. We were comrades. We were, we were boys, right? We, were, we, were, we hang out together with the powers of darkness. We were at one with the prince of the power of the air. Among whom we all once lived. In the passion, those strong desires our flesh, carrying out the desires of what? And the mind. And we're by nature, what were we by nature? You and I were by nature, no exception. We were all children of wrath. It's interesting, you know, think about what that means, children of wrath. Children to be given to wrath, or children in the sense that wrath has produced these children of wrath. 
take it any way you want. Children of wrath. By nature. Destined for the wrath of God. Destined to live a life of utter, perfect misery. Listen to Paul's cry. Romans 7.24 Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? I think Paul's crying out. Who will cut my cords? Right? Who's going to cut my cords? Your cord was not cut. Paul's realizing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? One of the ways that the Lord restores us back to an exclusive love relationship with himself is by telling us the raw truth of who we are in our love for Christ. Right? All we need to know about our natural state is that our cord to the fallen Adam was never cut. That's all you need to know. But in order to fully appreciate this covenant relationship, we have to remember who we were apart from Christ and that Christ has broken our cord. Look at, look at Romans 7.25. Romans 7.25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Even I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with the flesh I serve the law of God. He cut the cord. Amen? Through Jesus Christ, thanks be to God. He cut the cord. Why am I saying all that? Why is the Lord reminding Israel that, he was, the, the, that the cord was not cut? In light of all that, and all of us to some degree or another are going to receive and appreciate what just been said in different degrees. But in light of all that we just said, this is, your, this is how you came into the world. Your cord was not cut. You were organically linked to Adam. You had destiny with death and all depravity. And Jesus just cut that cord. Jesus broke the cord. Jesus cut the cord. What kind of response would you ask for? What do we do with this information? Do we just say, wow, what a wonderful parenthetical? What do you do with it? You were lost in your sins, dead in trespasses, right? Following the course of this world, Jesus came, rescued you out of that completely, out of his, you were dead, not because you asked, not because he did anything, but because he loved you, right? And he, he rescued you. So what should be the response? I don't know what to tell you. I'm remembering what you saved me from. 
And I've been saved for a long time, 30, over 35 years. So it's hard to remember me. It's hard to remember to strive after what I used to be. But if I think hard enough, I remember. What would the Lord, what would the Lord ask of you? Oh, do you just think he just moved on to his, his next program? Oh, no, don't worry about what I did in the past. Focus on what I'm doing now. Is that what the Lord would say to you? No. He wants you to remember. He wants us to remember what he has done for you. I don't think that our love is where it should be. I don't think where our thanksgiving is where it should be. I think we're all like kind of like barely hanging in there. And I'm asking God, raise in us a thanksgiving that is overflowing to God for all the good things that he has done. That it could be so evident, I'm grateful for my salvation. Now there goes a man, there goes a woman that really appreciates what Jesus took him out of. Right? But we lose that testimony, we lose that desire, and we just move on to other things. We move on to other spiritual projects. We move on and we forget. And we cannot forget. Why is there so much apathy in the church today? Because we forget. I don't think it's possible to, to remember this and be apathetic. I don't think it's possible. What would the Lord, what would the Lord, um, I, I was asking God, uh, how, would, how would, you know, he brought you out. Have you forgotten? Now, if he's never brought you out, that's a different story. He's just going to get nothing to remember. Maybe today God wants to bring you out. But if you remember, his message is for you. I don't care what's going on in your life. Don't ever allow anything in your life to rob you of the thanksgiving of a heart of gratefulness to God. But I think it's, it's more than just verbal thanksgiving. I was praying this morning. I said, Lord, give me something. It's just not enough to say thank you. It's just not enough. I'm sorry. Not enough. And that's what the Lord put in my, in my heart, this verse from Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1. Let's read Romans 12, verse 1, and we're going to conclude. But I want to appeal to you. Just like Paul, I'm going to appeal to you. So really think about what I just said. Take this whole week to think about he brought me out of darkness. He cut the cord. I was born in misery. I had no savior. I had no one to help me. And he delivered me. He set me free. And now today I'm happy. I have joy. I have hope. I have a future. So then how can I? I I, It's not enough to say thank you. It's not enough for me. Is it enough for you? It's not enough for me. Last time I was on chemo, not this last time, but the third time, I was sitting in my chair, and I'm just feeling a little bit just dry and such grateful. I'm just feeling grateful to God. Jesus, I, 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 didn't, I didn't like my acceptance. I didn't like, I felt, you know, and I heard this song. Spanish song, Simplemente Gracias. Simplemente Gracias. 
strong tapestry to my heart. that I feel in my places. The friendship I feel with Jesus. And I don't know what to say with that word, but strong friendship. Over here, starting from Holy Spirit is appealing to us today by the mercies of God, by the mercies that you have received. The great mercies. Not just little mercies. You have received divine mercies. He has rescued you out of darkness. He's put, a, he's put hope in your heart. You've got a, you got a place that you, no matter what goes through, Jesus will be with you. He will be your friend. He will be there forever. How much is that worth to you? He's taken us out. Yeah, we have problems. Yeah, we, we, we sometimes hurt. But it doesn't take away what he's done for us. He took us out. He's given us so much. He has filled us with good things. Now what? What do we do with that, right? We've got to wrestle with that question. We've got to respond. We can't just say, thank you, Lord. And just move on like as if, no, that's, that's what can't happen. I don't want my life to be like that. I want my life to be, Lord God, by your grace, by your mercy, may I present my body, all that I am, as a living sacrifice. May, may I present myself completely. May I live for you as an as a, as a, as a expression of my gratitude. That wherever I go, my life, my body, my life, my time, everything will be a living sacrifice. Amen? Holy, set apart, pleasing, acceptable to God, which is your, I like some translation, you're reasonable, right? It's reasonable. In light of the mercies of God, how can we not serve him with an abandonment? How can we not pour ourselves out? In light of 
not by compulsion, because I have to, but because of what he's done for us. Not because I'm gaining anything. I don't care about gaining anything. Because all of, all of us have all kinds of temptations. I just find, I'm just focusing on that. See, I've got other things, to, and I have all eternity, right? All the good things that he's given us. We'll have all eternity to, to but I want to start at the beginning. He rescued me. That's good enough. I'm going to have my hands full with that one. The fact that he's given me joy and peace and given me all these other things, I, I can wait on that. I'm going to focus on he brought me out of that into something else. That'll be my focus for the rest of my life. Right? Amen? We, we, right? We can take it. We, can, we don't have to try. Right? Let's just, God, I, you saved me. Today I'm happy. My heart is filled. What can I what can I say? Right? I'm remembering what he's done for us. And I want you to remember what he's done for you. Is your life living a sacrifice in response? This is not about, there are people that do a lot of stuff, but they do it out of compulsion. That's unacceptable before God. Thank you for that. Don't ever do anything out of compulsion. Do it because it flows out of genuine, authentic. This is where you have to be real with yourself, right? But there's also this element of faith. You can't just say, well, when I feel like it, you say, no, grapple with the truth. He saved my soul. How can I respond? Am I living a life worthy of what he's done for me? Or have I just been compulsive? Am I just living, have I forgotten that my soul is not mine? That this is still linked. My body remains linked, right? So let's get that real. The body's still linked. This is the body of death, and it's dying. But we got another body coming. Amen? A resurrected body. But my mind and my spirit, the inward man, the inner man, is being renewed day by day. The link, the spiritual link has been severed with Adam. Amen? Let's stand. We're going to sing a song, and we can get our hands put together.